Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers kicking off a big three-game road trip tonight in Dallas. They'll do it without Taylor Horton Tucker, who uh, is now in the health and safety protocols. That news breaks on Tuesday. And plus, Lakers fans, it's a good opportunity to remember other fan bases are struggling too. Other teams are struggling too, including the Mavericks. We'll talk about all of that with Nick Angstadt, host of Locked on Mavericks and the Locked on NBA podcast. All that coming up next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Want to thank everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We get this thing up early for you, posts usually around midnight on the West Coast. So no matter where you are, uh, what part of the world you're in, when you're at work, when you take in podcasts, uh, we have this thing ready to go for you five days a week. So we really appreciate all the support you guys are giving us. Uh, Want to let you know as well that Wednesday's episode of Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Truebill. It's the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. So, Andy, the, the big news on Tuesday, uh, which broke actually right as we were starting our conversation with Nick Angstadt, which we'll get to in just a second here, uh, host of Locked on Mavs, host of Locked on NBA. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker uh, is uh, test positive for COVID and enters the health and safety protocols. The Lakers canceled practice and actually grounded their airplane uh, for a little bit to make sure that nobody else was or, or delayed their departure, I should say, more than anything. To make everybody sure took else... a bath and sanitizer. <laughs> um, you know, just it was nobody else was traveling with with COVID, which, by the way, seems to be going around. <laughs> Yo, Woo. Giannis late Tuesday, uh, we learned that Giannis is entering the protocols. James Harden, James Harden, uh, half it the is, NFL. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, 75 positive tests for COVID in the NFL. Adam Schefter reports. I believe there are um, now seven nets. In the yeah, protocols. 75 today, I should say. 75 on Tuesday. Yeah, um, uh, a bunch of the Nets are in there, as we discussed uh, earlier in the week. Um, I think, like, everybody with the Bulls, including, like, the United Center, Center vendors, are, like, everybody, everybody. everybody. You know, from a, from a basketball standpoint, this obviously sucks for the Lakers because, you know, THT, while inconsistent, has become a very important part of the lineup. It gives uh, Frank Vogel a lot of flexibility in terms of uh, how he wants to defend and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's obviously another ins- uh, instance of just the team being unable to gain any kind of continuity, but at least from an analysis and like, we kind of know what it looks like, you know, they did it for the first, however many games that he missed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit this time, to- uh, different this time around, just with the idea of they may not have Anthony Davis. It has not been clarified yet whether or not he's going to be available against Dallas. So, you know, it becomes that much more problematic in terms of the team's overall size and mm-hmm. length. If you don't have. Anthony Davis on top of Taylor Horton Tucker, but you know, I mean, the Lakers have had to roll with the punches of uh, lacking continuity since literally training camp. So yeah. this is aggravating, but it, they've uh, seen this movie over and over yeah. and uh, over. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, most of what we talked about, really, in terms of with Nick, isn't really impacted by this. So the conversation holds, and obviously, we'll have a lot more analysis and understanding of what's going on. 
after the Lakers play on Wednesday, both about their situation in terms of protocols and and anything else, um, but also the impact of missing THD. We'll also know more about Anthony Davis. Uh, but anyway, so uh, great conversation with Nick, and we'll bring that to you now. Got the road trip coming up. The Western Conference is a is a jumbled mess, uh, as are the Dallas Mavericks. And so to talk about all of those things, of course, <laughs> our friend Nick Angstad, host of uh, Locked On Mavericks, Locked On NBA, like all the like all the podcasts that you hear around the network, uh, he has his finger in them. Um, hey, Nick, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> had to have been a better way to say that and by a better way i mean literally <laughs> any, any other way. Way. anything any other anything. way <laughs> it's uh it's it's very david cross from uh arrested development <laughs> yes there are dozens of us literally dozens, <laughs> dozens of us fingering the locked on nba network <laughs> Um, all right, day. so Andy and I, as we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about today, Andy had like the best just sort of basic question. Whose team has been, because we want to get into Jason Kidd, who's mm-hmm. you know still kind of a figure of interest around here, uh, and, and some Luka. other stuff. You know, the bad Luca, fat Luca. Um, whose team has been more disappointing this year, the Mavericks or the Lakers? Oh, man, I sent this out as a poll question for the NBA channel, and I was interested to see which which team was more disappointing and it seems like it goes week to week right the mavericks are a little below 500 recently and so well you put the mavericks and then the lakers are a little above 500 and so all the lakers have been less disappointing i think than than the mavericks maybe they're just kind of like it just one upping each other and then one downing each other <laughs> every every week it seems like depending on that whole jumble of western conference teams you lose two games in a row all of a sudden you're in 10th place you win two games in a row you're in like 5th or 4th place sometimes I yeah, I mean, Lakers- just just to illustrate, there are it's it's five and a half games uh, as of of Tuesday, but you know, heading into Tuesday's game, separating four and ten. Uh, if you want to include the Kings in there, uh, the line, you know, well, the Alvin Gentry led <laughs> Kings, uh, they're they're still in in the conversation for the play in game. So it's like it's a lot. There's a lot going on there um, in, in the West, to say, to say the least. Yeah, it's a really it's a really big shuffle. And uh, I'd say if you want to say which team is more disappointing, it's to, I mean, you probably just ask which fan base, right? I feel like the Lakers fans would say it's the Lakers. The Mavericks fans would say it's the Mavericks. The, way, the reason why the Mavericks have been disappointing is you have the largely the same roster they've had over the last three years, like the exact same. You've had some injury things. Luca has missed a handful of games. Porzingis has missed a handful of games. Jalen Brunson, Maxi Kleba, really important players for the Mavericks have all missed handfuls of games here and there, but they've largely been decently healthy. And the offense has just been bad. Like, like how can this team who was one of the best offenses in the, over the last forever, like the, they had the best offensive rating in NBA history two years ago, come out with a below league average offense this season. I think that's been more disappointing than, you know, all the injury stuff and things that we've seen on the Lakers side. Yeah. I mean, for all the issues the Lakers have, and, and I think legitimate concerns about, you know, where this team's ceiling lies, how high it is, this was going to take a while regardless. The Mavericks should have at least been in a position where they were building off something, but I think also more important, just the idea that you would have uh, a notion of where their direction is. And if the Lakers' direction doesn't look good right now, at least it's, well, they took a big swing and maybe they missed. The Mavericks were supposed to be actually going somewhere. And that that's where I think Mavericks fans, you know, and this could be happy for the Laker fans out there, could have more to feel bad about. 
you could say the Mavericks made their own kind of big swing with Jason Kidd, right? Mm-hmm. That seems that was, to that's be, what I was thinking. Yeah, that seems to be the Westbrook type move that the Mavericks made because you had this thing already. Like in in both situations, you had this thing already that was working, right? The the Lakers line up with the, a bunch of guys around Anthony Davis and, and LeBron, and then the Mavericks with their Luca and dudes <laughs> plus Rick Carlisle, right? And those both things were working. You know, to relative degrees, Lakers won a title. Mavericks couldn't get out of the first round, but they almost did, which is a, something that Mark Cuban hangs his hat on a, a little bit too much. And they try with Jason Kidd and they say, okay, well, let's let's change out the coach. It Let's change out the coach and bring in a more player-friendly coach, somebody that's going to get along with Luka, maybe take this team to the next level. And so far, offensively at least, it hasn't worked, and there's many reasons why Kidd and the front office, you know, that they blame. But so far, offensively, it has not been working. I just, and I, I think... For me, I look at it and I think, you know, the Lakers, there's still that. I mean, the, the relative expectations were different. I mean, I don't think most people thought the Mavericks were going to win a title this year, but I do think they were a very popular, uh, sexy candidate, as they like, as people like to say. The for shadow team. Dark, the shadow dark horse. Yes, the dark horse. Sexy before Luca put on all that weight. Right. <laughs> oh, thick is in now. Don't, guys. I don't, don't know. I don't know if you know that the '90s style of being real skinny is not in anymore. No, I mean, well, I mean I'm not saying Lucas should that. have been heroin chic, you know. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I mean, he can still this. be sexy. He's just not good at running up and down the floor as much. Those are not necessarily related. Um, let's as on mixed. brand. This is another weird show that we've done. <laughs> so, so, but like, I think you look at them now and you say, uh, yeah, I don't. Hmm, that's not the, the idea that the Mavericks are going to be like the surprise team that makes the conference finals looks like a real long shot. Whereas the Lakers, I still can look at it and say, yeah, they, I mean, it's not, they're not there yet. They got, I'm not delusional. They have a lot of work to do to get to where the, the jazz to get to where the, the, the Suns and obviously golden state are in the conference, but you can still picture them getting there. And I think that to me is, is, is the difference between these, between these teams but it is a reminder. This stuff is really hard. It's really complicated, and it never goes the way it's supposed to go. I mean, even 2020 with the with the title thing for the Lakers, it's like wow that that whole thing t- came together way faster than anybody expected. But you go back and you look at that season. You know, there was you know the death of Kobe Bryant. There was you know all the coaching upheaval and all that stuff that they had going into the season. And oh, by the way, like a five-month break for a global pandemic and then a <laughs> bubble play. I was like, nothing Man. about that season was normal or you know, when is expected or easy. And some of those things probably ultimately helped with the Lakers because guys came back and fresh. It was, you know, the bubble was, I think, particularly good for the way the Lakers were composed and the mix of guys that they had. None of this stuff ever works the way it's supposed to. Sometimes for a team's benefit and sometimes to their detriment. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm going to put push back on one thing, it's that if the Mavericks start shooting threes, and they actually start hitting those threes, then I could start to see a team that could maybe make a little bit of a push and get back to that dark horse, you know, shat, like team that just rising out of the shadows because they have not shot the three well and they're getting decent looks. Like they're getting wide open threes and they're 28th in the league in in technically open three, three point attempts, right? Like open three point percentage right now, which is just 
brutal. If that comes back and that regresses back to normal, then all of a sudden that yeah, team no. can go on a run. Because if you can get hot in the playoffs, then all of a sudden yeah, you're... Sorry, it's uh, over for you guys. In a, um, di- just, in a different spot. Yep, yep, you're wrong. Um, all right, let's I let's talk be. about... <laughs> let's talk Jason Kidd um, when, when, uh, when we come back and a little more Western Conference and some trade rumors. Uh, because the Kidd thing, you know, he was a massive, massive... Uh, part of the coaching conversation for the Lakers over the last couple of years. And uh, now he is your guys' guy. I'm curious <laughs> how you think that's going. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Stance. They just launched a new line of active apparel. It's perfect timing for the holidays. Stance is the coolest gift you can give. Not the boring old socks, underwear, and apparel you had to pretend to like just to be polite to your relatives. You're going to be stoked to find Stance apparel under the tree. Found in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Some of my favorite collaborations include the Wu-Tang Clan, Batman, Star Wars, The Office, Bob Marley, and obviously the NBA. That's what we're all talking about right now, and that is incredible variety. Stance believes the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. See for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com. Get 15% off your first purchase. Use the promo code Locked On at the checkout to apply. Use the color and comfort of a life less ordinary. Enjoy it with Stance. All right. So, you know, again, uh, you know, Lakers fans have complained at length about Frank Vogel and his rotations and all these things this year with some some cause you know Avery Bradley's on a bit of an upswing right now but overall that's been controversial um you know it does seem like the DeAndre Jordan as a starting center experiment at least while everybody is healthy is over um but you remember that from back in the day Nick oh my gosh DeAndre Jordan PTSD from that, but well, like so, which time? Right? <laughs> so it's like you know, I some of those things are are, are defensible that that Vogel's done some less so, whatever. But it's been you know he's been on the hot seat for a lot of this season. Coaching has also been a question in Dallas. It's just another one. Like it's 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 the same everywhere. But you talked about the offense in that first segment. Like what what has been like the the reaction to to kid i mean i I saw him yell at you earlier in the season because he wasn't playing (laughs) reggie bullock enough and you didn't think that was okay um but like how is that going because he was you know there are a lot of people in la who i think wanted him ultimately to be the coach here um before it was just considered untenable and they landed on vogel yeah this is how that went earlier i have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was that was his yelling at me, which was you know muted in, in a Jason Kidd fashion. But I think fans, and at least Dallas fans, are just really split on him. And it's either it's it's confirmation bias either way. You either came into this Jason Kidd thing and said, "No, this guy sucks." I'm gonna read the Mirror and Fader book, art like you know chapter, and I'm just gonna <laughs> say, "Don't make my guys practice on Christmas. Don't make them run on Christmas. You know all that kind of stuff." Just you're gonna take all the stuff from from Jason Kidd as a coach, and then. You know, a lot of people, I think, added in the, you know, his his history and, and his past, which I know is one of the reasons why he didn't become the Lakers head coach. I think it is the reason. I think right. the Lakers wanted to hire him, but they didn't feel like the optics worked. So instead, because they absolutely wanted him on a staff, whoever they ended up uh, hiring to replace Luke Walton, they tried this thing where they were essentially sneaking Jason Kidd in through the back door 
as if somehow paying him to be an assistant coach was more morally defensible than making him the head coach. And it, I don't think, really fooled anybody. And it, it ended up working out just fine. And Frank Vogel won them a champ or helped them win a championship. And Jason Kidd, by all accounts, was, was a great. It was great. great. Yeah, but right. but the thing but the thing if 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 2019-2020 had started the way this season has gone for the Lakers all the chatter about Jason Kidd replacing Frank Vogel by oh, Christmas absolutely. all the stuff that Fra- that Stephen A Smith was saying on first take and stuff like that at the time would be in play and like that's this th- that that is the earth 2 scenario um for Vogel and the Lakers is what's happening this year they got very lucky in the sense that Two years ago, they got off to a great start after you know an opening night loss, and then last year, before everything fell apart with the uh, with the injuries, they were twenty one and six. So like there was an established like we're good if we're healthy kind of thing, but it didn't have to go that way. And I think the Mavericks are a great example of that on Earth Two, where Jason Kidd gets the Mavs off to a twenty one and five start. It's a different deal. Now everybody gets to nitpick, including you, for not playing Reggie Bullock enough. <laughs> well, now he's playing Reggie Bullock. The problem is Reggie Bullock isn't hitting threes. Because he listens to your podcast. Once every <laughs> eight games, something like that. But, yeah, and Jason Kidd is, is not on the hot seat because Mark Cuban is taking all the, you know, excuses slash reasons slash, you know, problems that the Mavericks have had offensively. Luca came in out of shape, you know, all the injuries with Luca, the injuries with Porzingis, the injuries with with Brunson and, and Maxi Kleba and all that kind of stuff. The three-point shooting, like the Mavs just not hitting open shots, taking all those things and saying, well, these are the problems. And then Cuban goes on a little rant on Twitter about how the ball is the reason why the Mavericks aren't shooting the three-point shot well because they have statistics on in-game, obviously, but then they also had take statistics on, you know, they use this program Noah basketball to take statistics during practice and open gyms and everything where guys are just missing open threes in an open gym that they normally wouldn't hit. And so they're blaming the ball on it and all this kind of stuff. All the reasons why Jason Kidd isn't necessarily on the hot seat right now, but those are all the reasons why Jason Kidd is given that this team isn't as good as it could be, or the offense hasn't been as good as it has been in the past. Wait. Who who likes to pick a feud more in your opinion, Mark Cuban or Jason <laughs> Kidd? Because both of them are good for it. Jason Kidd has really tried to, and I think this is an honest attempt by him to squash any of the I'm a negative person thing. He, I have, uh, here's 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 a drop I use all the time. This is a positive world. <laughs> Jason Kidd saying it's a positive world because it was after a really bad loss and somebody brought up a player, I think it was Willie Colley Stein that, or, uh, or Moses Brown that just didn't play, that didn't play a lot or didn't play well. And so he was like, what do you want me to say? It's a positive world. He was plus two in the game. And like, he's really tried to, to like, to buck that, you know, persona of him. So he hasn't taken as many. So it's definitely Cuban right now. Th- that actually leads well to the next thing I wanted to ask about Kid because w- one of the things that has, you know, allowed him to jump the line in terms of going straight from uh, being a player to a head coach without having ever been on a staff before and, you know, among the reasons the Lakers were so hot on having him be involved, no matter who their head coach was, was the idea of player relationships and the respect that he garners from everyone around the league. I mean, if you've got LeBron's respect, it's safe to say everybody in the league, uh, his peers will respect him. What are you seeing on that front? And how do you think that permeates uh, around the team? That has been something that we haven't seen a ton of, but recently Reggie Bullock came out and said something that really, really caught my my attention because I've been thinking about that too. Okay, Jason Kidd's supposed to be a players coach. Does it seem like players are being empowered 
Christoph Porzingis after one game when Luca wasn't playing said that, you know, oh, we're just out there and we run a pick and roll. And then if we don't, if we don't hit that, then we're just kind of out there trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, oh, that does not sound like somebody that feels empowered by his coach to <laughs> like to run a good offense. But then Reggie Bullock came out and said the other day after he hit, he hit four threes in a game. He said, Jason Kidd is a player's coach. He empowers his players. He instills a lot of confidence in his players. And for him to come out and say something like that was kind of eye-opening to me. Say, okay, well, at least Jason Kidd is trying to do that. At least he is he's attempting to do that. And uh, we've seen guys like Frank Nilakina come in and have have good games. Josh Green come in and have good games after not finding any playing time for Rick Carlisle. Moses Brown has come in and played good games. So it seems like some of these players are getting empowered by Jason Kidd. It just has not worked at the top with with, with Luka Doncic and with um, Chris Porzingis has been as up and down and he's been, as he's been in the past. I, 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 let's I want to stick with that because it's a great seg into one of the things I'm really curious about because like you know Luka has you know been a a a phenomenon you know is just one of the the brightest and most interesting and exciting young stars in the NBA and this has not been a good season not so much statistically but like the stuff, the other stuff that goes around it. I, I see some parallels here with Anthony Davis that I, I want to get into a little bit because these are sort of the foundational stars when you look two, three, four, five, six years down the road, even with the Lakers, with LeBron and Westbrook now, ultimately this is designed to be Anthony Davis's team. Um, and so I, I want to have a kind of a conversation about those two guys. We'll do it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Back better than ever. A new web interface for the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive said bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right down to your favorite favorite. Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. Hey, Andy, Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, even better than a candy bar. It's a Built Bar. It's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. Those are things you do not need for the holidays. High in protein, though, that is something that you want. So you'll be super yoked heading into the new year. You get the best of both worlds, delicious Get your holiday and shirtless. That's right, as <laughs> every holiday should be. Sexy uh, Santa. That's nice. right. <laughs> Except for Luca, keep that shirt on. Hey, so, easy. <laughs> so many flavors. And you have a hard shirt. time choosing. <laughs> <laughs> you have raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream. People, I'm working here. <laughs> the bar gives you that extra fuel. You need to bust down the mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. You know, this week it's like it. You got you don't have much time left to shop before Christmas. Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Uh, because it's the new the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at a family party people are just too passionate about it keep the peace don't just agree that all of the flavors are good <laughs> it's the new politics right <laughs> bill bar flavors promo code lock 15 get 15 percent off your next order again the promo code lock 15 15 off at built.com luca luca is not uh, i will say this and then you tell me if i'm wrong luca is not playing horribly um it's not like he's been god awful or something this year but the overweight thing, um, 260 pounds that, that Tim McMahon talked about. Um, and obviously the lack of relative success for the Mavericks has not been a good look. Anthony Davis 
hasn't, statistically speaking, has been pretty good. He's been fine. But Andy and I talk about this all the time. James Worthy talks about it all the time on the Lakers postgame show on Spectrum. Guys put up numbers, but you don't feel them. Like, and we haven't felt Anthony Davis in the way that he needs to be felt for the Lakers to get where they want to go. So in that sense, it's kind of disappointing. When you look at these two guys, do you see some sort of like any any kind of parallels in both their importance to the franchise, the way they have performed, and that sort of just relative feeling of, eh, something's missing? Yeah, you take LeBron James off the Lakers, and then you compare the Lakers with the, the Mavericks at full strength, and those, those are pretty similar. I think those are pretty similar teams as far as, okay, this team should be good, but because that main star, that monolithic star is going to carry them, right? He's supposed to, to drive everything. Anthony Davis is supposed to be the entire defense, and then when LeBron's out, the entire offense. Uh, and then Russell Westbrook can come in there and, and you know run some stuff every once in a while. But with the, with the Mavericks, it's Luka runs it all. He runs the show. Everything is, is built off of what Luka can do, what Luka can provide this team. And yeah, it's hard to look at a guy, aver- you know, a 22 year old averaging 25, eight and eight and say, okay, well you suck. Like you just suck this year. Right. But it's, it's the little things. It's, it's exactly what you said about, you know, that James Worthy says you don't feel them. It's in the fourth quarter. What does, what does Luka do? Can he take them on those little runs that the Mavericks need late in games to, to win games? Can he, um, you know, shoot better than 32% from three. Can he take better shots? Can he shoot better than 70% from, you know, the free throw line? It's just little things like that. Can he get by somebody? Is his first step a little bit slow, which it has been this year. And so if he can't get by a, a player, he can't get into the teeth of the defense and then kick out to an even more wide open shooter. So they're wide open instead of just regular open and, and all those things. So it all comes down to, you know, Lucas conditioning, Lucas weight coming into the season. Um, is he getting inspired by Jason Kidd? We're not sure. Uh, he only he only had like a couple of weeks off this offseason. So is he still feeling the fatigue and tiredness of the Olympics and then the playoffs and all that kind of stuff that, you know, the trunk like, like the shortened season last year? There's all kinds of different reasons. But but yeah, if it, it feels very similar to me. It, it's it's when you think about the future, does you know, I, I, I think the, the confidence of Lakers fans in the, in the skill of Anthony Davis isn't questioned. I think the confidence in Lakers fans of his ability to rise to an occasion, like what it looks like when he is an MVP level guy and what that means is also because we saw it in the, in, in the playoffs, you know, a couple of years ago. I do think people worry about whether or not he is a guy who, when LeBron is gone and when Westbrook is gone, and even after he is theoretically paired with another star that the Lakers will inevitably go find, um, that he's not going to be somebody who can carry a franchise, especially as he starts to get into his 30s. Has any confidence been shaken in Luka? Because like these are sort of foundational. And Luka's uh, you know, five years younger, I think, than AD, six years younger, maybe. So it's not exactly an apples-to-apples comparison, but like, is there any concern at this point that he is somebody that you can build a title team around, can carry them in that way? You know, we had a joke, the, you know, yesterday or earlier this week on Twitter, you know, they posted the splits on, you know, the Mavs with Luca on the floor and without, and they've been much better without him on the floor. <laughs> like, does any of that dent, like where both of these teams, I think, kind of believe they might be going? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, absolutely not about Luca. What's happened, though, is that where Luca was just this like 
golden child, perfect, can do no wrong. Like, you know, you're the, the helicopter parent that will never like leave his side. There's been some, some people now that are finally like, okay, we can criticize this guy. Okay. Maybe it is Luca when the, when he, when Luca's not in the offense flows a lot better. Okay. Why is that? And then trying to figure that out and you're starting to see people and fans have those type of basketball conversations. There's also the, okay, well, Luca's got to fix this. He's got to fix the conditioning. He's got to fix the complaining to the refs all the time problem because it just makes the Mavericks stop in their tracks. And then all of a sudden they don't play transition defense. And then all of a sudden each ensuing possession is affected because of Luca's complaining to the refs. So you're starting to see more um, critiques of Luca, which, you know, are, some of them are, are true. Some of them are just you know fans complaining, but we had not seen that in the past from fans complaining about Luca. It was all, well, it's Rick Carlisle's offense's fault. It's Rick Carlisle's, you know, rotations fault. It's, you know, Chris Porzingis fault. It's Tim Hardaway's fault. It's all that. And now we're seeing, Fans go, okay, well, it's Luca. Andy, do you agree with that that evaluation that I made of AD? I mean, that's that's my perception, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. And I actually don't think it's an unreasonable fear from Lakers fans. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's something that I know you and I have, if not talked about during shows, I know we've talked about it offline. You know, just Anthony Davis is obviously an incredibly talented player. Like he is one of the most versatile players in the league right now is one of the most versatile players we've seen in a long time when you take into account his position and, and you know what he's supposed to be doing out there and you know he is he has been i i think in some ways uh, in a disappointing way this season he still i think perceived as the number 2 guy on this team and he certainly was the number 2 guy to lebron when they won a championship but as a number 2 i think he has been at his best better than, say, Pau Gasol was as Kobe's two. But in terms of you know what is expected from him in the future, like the Lakers are clearly positioned for either AD to be that guy and come up short, at least it seems right now, or them needing to find somebody better than AD, which I think would alter the plans that they had when they traded for AD in the first place. That wasn't place. the idea. Yeah, it was not the idea. So, you know, what what do you do with that? Because, like, no no matter where Luka can ultimately take the Mavericks, Luka is closer to what you'd look for in a franchise face, like closer to Kobe and LeBron than AD. Like, in terms of what AD has demonstrated, you know, that Brian and I have talked about how Anthony Davis you know, will have great games, and he's having a really good season, but you don't feel him overwhelmed in games very often. Like, you don't see him where it feels like his great games completely change the tenor of what's happening. Luca does that. Luca can take over games. And I don't think this is just a matter of guards versus big men. Because there are big men who take over games and, and just overwhelm. And as we've noticed, Luca's a big guard. <laughs> <laughs> big. But, but very and, big. And some of it is a function of, you know, Anthony Davis. Does he have that overwhelming offensive thing, right? Does he have the one thing on offense? You start to think, okay, who are the guys that you do feel in the NBA on offense? Who are the guys that can take over games? And it's either your ball handlers, right? The the you know, the Durants, the LeBrons, the Lucas, the you know, Curry's guys like that, or it's the big guys that are the uh, Joel Embiid, who's just a massive human that can plow over anybody and can can score around the rim and with touch and footwork and all that kind of stuff. Or it's the Jokic's who have that incredible passing ability where he can just make everything work and fluid and all that kind of stuff. And so 
it doesn't feel like to me Anthony Davis has that one singular thing he can do on his own, right? It seems like it's dependent on a ball handler to set him up. And so that's that's one of the reasons why I think Anthony Davis is maybe not like stepped up to this moment right now is because he doesn't have that one offensive thing. Obviously, you know what you're getting from him on defense. And when he, when he plays really well on defense, he's a, a defense in and of himself at times, but it's that offense. And so the Mavs have had a similar, but maybe like a lower level version of this with Porzingis. Can Porzingis become an offense in and of himself when Luca is out of games? And we haven't seen that very often. Last thing. And uh, we'll, we'll let you go here when it's all said and done. And you look at, you know, sort of the outsider's perspective on the Lakers. Where do you think they're going to be? Oof. I had them. I thought that this team would come into the season and, and just be rolling, thinking last year was an, an aberration and they would be number one, number two in the West. But right now you start to look at them and you say, okay, well, the health has really held them back. You know, maybe coaching is, is holding them back. A lot of people think, but. I think this team probably finishes still top four. I think it's it's hard to it's hard for me to envision a, a full season. I, I'm a, I'm thinking optimistically if we get a healthy you know LeBron the rest of the season and all that that Memphis and the Clippers both finish ahead of the Lakers and 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 the Mavericks right like it feels like those two teams will hopefully both rise back up uh, and get to that point. It feels like recently the Lakers have kind of gotten it back on on track a little bit, and so I think they probably finish fourth. It's hard for me to see them catching Utah. They're just a mm-hmm. A regular season juggernaut so the Lakers finish four they play either the Clippers or the Mavericks in that first round and uh and then I think they'll be fine in the playoffs at least for that first round I you know Andy <laughs> every time we have somebody on who sort of from the outside who talks about the Lakers everybody kind of ends up in the same place and I I'm not talking not necessarily title because you know obviously Golden State is looking like a different kind of deal and you know at some point Utah theoretically could put it together in the playoffs Phoenix is obviously hyper legit that's kind of where i am too andy it's just like i i I don't i'm not as confident they're going to win a title as i was you know i wouldn't put their title odds as high as i did at the beginning of the year but ultimately i think at the end of the year i still have them as like oh yeah they're going to be one of those teams that where you mean you you can not done with that yet you can be too close to things when it comes to evaluating them well like i remember in 2006 the the season that kobe had 81 and averaged 35 you and I, when we were covering the team for the LA Times doing their Lakers blog, you know, we both wrote our fake MVP columns because we didn't have an actual vote. And I had Kobe second on my ballot. And I look back on it and the rationale I had, and it was very complimentary of Kobe, but ultimately I overthought it. The answer was Kobe. And I think the reason I overthought it, it wasn't even because I was trying to look objective as, you know, the local guy covering the team. I think I was just too close to the flaws that Kobe had that every player has. You don't mm-hmm. see as much of them, though, when you get to watch some guys 10 times a year versus Kobe. We watched him 82 times a year. Right. And, and not only in watching LA, him, we had seen but he, and he dominates him. every conversation. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that year, the, the obvious answer, I think, in retrospect, no disrespect to Steve Nash, was Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so it'll be an interesting game on Wednesday. It'll be an interesting road trip for the Lakers, made even more interesting now that uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, at least for starters, is in the uh, health and safety protocols. See what happens when the plane lands. Um, but but uh, Nick Angstad, host of Locked on Mavericks, the Locked on NBA podcast uh, on the network. Thanks so much for coming on, man. This is fun. We'll do it again. Absolutely, gentlemen.